Welcome into another edition of the Sibling Rivalry Podcast, a show all about college football where the conversations are lively, the topics irreverent, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. With a extra special stuffy nose edition, I am Madison and I'm joined as always by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? We're all feeling it. We're all feeling it. Week one's in the books. It's nice to get week one behind us. Uh, but yeah, everyone's battling a little, uh, little bit of cold, a little bit of sickness. I think that's what three days of drinking will do to you. That's not my issue. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I started coming down with something a, a couple days before, like Thursday night, and just uh, I'm still battling it. But uh, yeah, you you speak for yourself there, buddy boy. But uh, certainly week one in the books, five days of uninterrupted college football, and uh, it was it was quite the happy weekend at the Browder household, and I'm sure across the country as well, specifically in the South, because it just means more. It but does. this weekend, maybe for the SEC, it meant a little less because a lot of teams put up some real stinkers, and we're going to get into all of that. But first off, I wanted to just go ahead and let you brag a little bit on your easy peasies. You did pretty good, didn't you? Yeah. I So I threw out the bonus pick of Notre Dame, and of course they didn't cover last night. But I told everybody to go big on Georgia. That hit. And I told everyone to go Texas, and that hit easily. So two and one, can't complain. Um, went small, one unit on Notre Dame, two units on Texas, and five units on Georgia. So up pretty up pretty significantly after week one. So yeah, I'm pretty pleased with uh, how things have started. Well, I am pretty pleased with our picks. I went six and four on the weekend. Pierce went five and five. So I'm out to an early lead on the season and I took home the crown week one. Hopefully I can keep that going in week two. That preview podcast will come out in a couple of days, but we wanted to go ahead and hit you with a recap a little bit later than we'd like to get it to you. But with Labor Day, it threw everything off, but we promise to get back on schedule. Uh, while we're plugging things, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram. We are at Sibling Rivalry Podcast. I've been locked out of our Twitter. About a year ago, I made us a Twitter, never touched it. And now I can't remember the password and can't get into it, but uh, we'll, we'll try to work on that. And once we do, I'll probably hand over the reins to Pierce so he can tweet, live tweet the games, as uh, and who knows what else he'll tweet. I'm a little scared about that. I'll be quite honest, but we'll keep you <laughs> up to date when that happens and so that you guys can go hit us with a follow on there as well. Are you ready to get into it, Pierce? Let's get let's dive right, right into it. Let's go ahead. Uh, the first game that we picked was Friday night at six o'clock on ESPN. Wisconsin at USF. USF was picking up thirteen and a half points, and boy howdy, what a goose egg! The Wisconsin Badgers throttled the South Florida Bulls forty nine to nothing. Pierce, what Wisconsin might as well just move down to Orlando. Because they play a bowl game there every year, yeah. and they always seem to thrive. Um, Jack Cohn, the quarterback for Wisconsin, he wasn't great. I was surprised to see that. However, he was serviceable. Uh, the Badgers leaning on heavily on Jonathan Taylor, their running back. Jonathan Taylor, tailback. He is a stud, um, as well as their other running backs, uh, to demolish USF. Taylor rushed for 135 yards on 16, only 16 carries. And Wisconsin as a team had 234 on the ground. And poor Blake Barnett, the five-star QB mm. who's bounced around from Bama to Arizona State to you think he finally found his spot at USF, goes 
13 of 30 for only 109 and two picks. Yeah. I mean, we both picked Wisconsin to that, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, we did. I think we both knew Wisconsin would win, but this is just ridiculous. USF has been able to kind of hang with UCF, the defending national champion, two-time national champion. I guess they lost at the end of last year, but point is, you know, they're claiming all these things, and USF usually gives UCF a run for their money. Uh, Wow, that was embarrassing, got to say. Got to say for those Florida teams that are not in a Power 5, or yeah, Power 5, they're a group of five teams, sorry. Again, I got a cold. All right, so you've already pretty much touched on that. I've got nothing to add. Jonathan Taylor, like we said, was an absolute stud. Four TDs, two rushing, two pa- or uh, two receiving touchdowns in that game. And Wisconsin goes home the winner. Wisconsin still alive. Uh, they were number 19 last week. Do they, did they move up at all in the new AP poll? I haven't looked yet, to be we'll completely honest. We'll cover that honest. in the preview podcast. We'll cover that in the preview. This is all about recapping last week. All right, the next game that we covered, the Duke Blue Devils and the Alabama Crimson Tide squaring off in Atlanta in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. I do believe that line, Alabama was giving 35 points and another one that they easily covered, 42-3, to Alabama, the victors in that one. I heard a lot of people talking about that maybe Saban would be a little bit easy on Cutcliffe since he is a respected coach, and that, that respect from Saban sometimes goes a long way. He doesn't want to embarrass an old colleague, but none that, that didn't happen there in Atlanta and uh, Alabama. Although a shaky, slow start, ultimately were able to have their way with Duke and a nice little crockpot, as we call it. Yeah, it was just more the same for Alabama as Tua dominated the game going 26 of 31 for 336 through the air with four touchdowns. I was surprised with the lack of running, rushing the ball. Um, Not a single running back rushed for over 100 yards. That you don't see very often from a Bama team. That said, another easy win for Tua and company. There you go. That is how Alabama fared, and they continue to roll. And it's surely, I mean, it was just Duke, but it surely is looking like from the eye test that it's going to be Duke and Clemson all the way through the season. I mean, not Duke and Clemson, Alabama and Clemson all the way through the season. So we'll have to keep in touch with that. All right, the next game that we covered, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Here we go. This is when we're going to start talking about the embarrassing SEC teams. South Carolina Gamecocks traveled to, or was it, I don't know, was it at? UNC? It was, it was the Belk kickoff game. A nice little uh, Actually, it might have been the... Charlotte. Whatever. Point is, South Carolina, North Carolina, a nice little uh, squaring off between the Carolina teams and ultimately North Carolina. Mac attack. The Mac attack's the first game. The return of the Mac. And the North Carolina Tar Heels won 24-20. to The line on that was UNC was picking up eight points. They didn't even need it. They won outright. And uh, Jake Bentley, big big story here. Jake Bentley mm-hmm. out indefinitely. Uh, although I guess if you're South Carolina, you're not particularly sad about that. They've never really trusted him, and certainly not liking the way he performed in that game. Pierce, one TD, two interceptions uh, in that game. What are your thoughts here on South Carolina? Those were Bentley's that, stats. That was Bentley's stats. He went 142 yards, 16 for 30. Ooh, not great. So UNC just used a balanced attack. In all honesty, Sam Howell threw for 245. Having two running backs go over 75 yards in the game is definitely a recipe for success. Uh, Mac Brown clearly looked like he knew what he was doing out there. and Well, that is until he got to the locker room afterwards and started dancing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was oh, not the best look. But yeah, to your point, things couldn't get worse for the Gamecocks as Jake Bentley 
injuring his foot and I'm hearing may miss the rest of the season. It's and definitely is just kind of what they're saying right now, but that certainly is not a great outlook. And you know, it's one of those things too, where even if he comes back, if, uh, what's his name? Ryan Helsey. I don't even know how to say his name. The backup. Yeah. yeah. The highly touted backup. Yeah. If he so, comes in and does anything, then you certainly are going to stay with him. So it's kind of like a, uh, you know, I was reading a piece today actually on Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. Everyone thought Eason was going to be our guy. He goes down in week one, and then by the time he comes back and he's healthy, Fromm's rolling so much that you don't put Eason back in, and Eason was a five-star. Check me on this, but I think Bentley might be a senior. Okay, well, I that would require but a Google he, search for me. But he will he will um, apply for a medical yeah, he is a so, senior. So he will get one more year. So to your point, we could have a, a quarterback battle of Bruin. Helensky. Helensky, that's it. Yep. We could have a quarterback battle of Bruin if uh, Helensky has a uh, good rest of the year. Certainly. Um, this was kind of catastrophic for South Carolina. They had to pick up this game. They have a atrocious atrociously hard season and if I am must champ I'm starting to get a little sweaty there on my seat I know we're one game in but again you're looking down the line and it's oh bowl eligibility is starting to look shaky if you're South Carolina because like I said this was pretty much a must win for the season all right Northwestern Wildcats going to Stanford to take on the number 25 Cardinal and Stanford comes out victorious 17 to seven Stanford was giving six and a half points. So they do cover that spread. Uh, I think that we both picked Stanford on this one, but I might've picked, did I pick Northwestern? The only game we disagreed on was the FSU Boise state game. So we picked nine of the games. And I picked the up the W on that one. Yep, you did. You know your Knowles. I'm uh, dusting my shoulders off this week. I do know my <laughs> Knowles, and I know never to bet on <laughs> the Garnet and Gold because, wow, that was embarrassing. But we'll get to that later. Uh, Pierce, what are your thoughts here with Stanford Cardinal and Northwestern Wildcats? Well, ugly win for Stanford. Northwestern was able to slow down the Cardinals with their D as they tend to do. Costello only threw for 152 yards. He was efficient going 16 for 20, but 152 is not going to get it done if they want to contend in the Pac-12. Cameron Scarlett was the difference maker at running back, carrying the ball 22 times for 97, or 22 times for 97 yards. And uh, the 17-7 game, that was that was the difference. Cameron Scarlett, he, uh, he, he proved, proved that Stanford can win ugly on the ground. Do we know what happened to Costello? He got hurt. Do we have any updates on that? I do not. I've not heard anything yet. Okay. I think they're keeping that pretty close to the vest. Well, I, I we didn't watch. I mean, we were we were tailgating, so I didn't get to watch this one super closely. But I did read that he got hurt and knocked out of the game. So, uh, you know, not a great start for the Northwestern Wildcats. That is for sure. I believe their next game is going to be UNLV. So hopefully they'll bounce back at home. Uh, Stanford going to USC, but I'm not worried if I'm Stanford. Uh, I think that they will easily be able to handle the mess that is Clay Helton and Co. All right, we already alluded to it. I don't really want to talk about it, but we've got to because we are covering all of the big games from this past week. The Boise State Broncos and the Florida State Seminoles, already a little bit of drama there. It was supposed to be played in Jacksonville, but due to Hurricane Dorian, they moved the game to Tallahassee. Students could get in basically for free. And uh, back in my day when we won the national championship, uh, when I was attending in 2013, it was hard as heck to get a home ticket. And uh, now they're giving them away. Can't, can't even 
can't even get people to show up to the game. $10, I believe, was the entry fee for that game, and I believe free parking, which is just sad for a historic program like Florida State. And by all accounts, it looked like it was all going well for Florida State. They jumped out to an early lead, 21 to nothing, and then ultimately put up a couple of goose eggs in the second half and lost the game. 36 to 31. I picked Boise State because I know uh, never to bet on Florida State after I was in attendance for the Sanford game last year and they almost lost, which was embarrassing in its own right. Uh, Boise State wins outright. Pierce, what the heck? What can you say about Boise State in these big games? It's unbelievable. They just have a knack for winning these big, big games and especially Moving from Orlando to Tallahassee due to the hurricane. Jacksonville, but yes. they Oh, Jacksonville. They had to deal with that. I mean, they ran with it. Um, I will say, this was a pretty interesting game. Hank Bachmeyer threw for 407 yards. 51 attempts. All 51 attempts, all while James Blackman looked great. Throwing for 327 and three TDs and no picks. Um, and then both Cam Akers uh, for FSU and Robert Mahone for Boise State eclipsed the 100-yard mark. But Boise, with a remarkable comeback to beat FSU in their own backyard, Boise State does it again. Yeah, and um, that, that quarterback uh, for Boise State is a freshman. Hank back. My God, a freshman. A freshman. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was definitely encouraged, I guess, a little bit by what I saw from Florida State, but certainly uh, they are not there yet, and there is still some stuff to clean up. That late collapse uh, is inexcusable. Absolute inexcusable. It, they need to folk they need to they need to get everything figured out on D. I think on offense they've finally come they've finally gotten it. Yeah. It's the defense that needs to pick things up. Yeah, well we'll see. Uh they certainly have a uh tough road ahead of them as they have to face off against Florida and Clemson. Uh, as they do every year. All right, Pierce, this game we were in attendance for the number three Georgia Bulldogs going to Music City to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores, and they came away victorious. Uh, it was The final score was 30-6. to Georgia was giving 20.5 points, so they do cover that spread. Uh, it was an interesting leaving, interesting vibe leaving the game. Certainly you're happy going on the road to an SEC opponent, nonetheless, or uh, uh, no less, I should say, and winning the game pretty handily, but, uh, you know, really struggled to get some points there in the second half for Georgia, and there was a kind of a general what-the-heck vibe. Uh, I know that the players and coaches weren't necessarily happy either, but ultimately, like I said, you're going on the road and you're winning a game in the SEC 30-6, to and Vanderbilt has tripped Georgia up in the past, so I want to hear your, uh, your commentary there. We watched it back again last night on TV. Did you like what you saw better, or is it still, hey, we, we didn't look good? It was a uh, mixed emotions that, you know, we, to your point, it was a rather easy win and it seems like we're clearly trying to get rid of the rust. We've got a lot of young players. What I was disappointed with was from had his typical game managing game, being a game manager, just not turn the ball over. But 156 passing yards won't win a national championship. It just won't. Um, that being said, this game went just as expected for myself. What I thought this game would turn out being swift running for 149 yards on only 16 carries. And Georgia as a team rushed for 325 yards. Um, surprised we couldn't you know, get a couple scores late, uh, especially in the third quarter. But a win's a win. 
Yeah, and it certainly didn't feel like a road game in attendance. I would I would reckon it was about eighty percent Georgia fans. Easy. And uh, you know, I was what we were watching back last night, and you heard Jer- Jordan Rogers talking about how it's kind of deflating when you go or when you're playing at home and you have to go to a silent count because it's so dang loud and the entire stadium's erupting when Zamir White takes the field and the entire stadium is doing the Georgia Bulldogs chant as if it was at home. I had to remind myself. I, all I had to do was look up, though, and realize it was basically a high school stadium and go, oh, yeah, we're at Vandy. It's Music City. We're not in Athens. But it certainly felt like it, um, you know, looked loaded at running back. I like how much pressure we got on the quarterback. And like you said, not great. Uh, Fromm didn't have the most oppressive numbers, but he did what he needed to do. And his stats were, I think, the same as Trevor Lawrence. And, uh, you know, so you got to like that as mm-hmm. far as – You've got she's got an embarrassment in rushes at running back and a f- fantastic O line, uh, and and he probably would have had some more. He had that really great throw to Demetrius Robertson that call, got called back because of a holding penalty. So I'm all in all encouraged by it. And of course, two cup games coming up for Georgia before they take on Notre Dame at home. We'll cover that game. What happened uh, versus Notre Dame and Louisville? But I'm not that nervous anymore. I'm hoping that it's still a big matchup because that was going to be, it is going to be really fun in Athens. But uh, if I'm Georgia, I'm feeling pretty good. And about another that. thing about the rewatch uh, to your point, Dimitri scored the first touchdown and then had that big play that was called back. But Kyrus, uh, Kyrus Jackson also, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah Kyrus Jackson also had a big play and fumbled. Um, and that was a 40 yard throw, yeah, uh, and run. So, you know, and Vandy jumps on that. So, Fromm could have had a better day, should have had a better day. Um, just had some unfortunate events. And uh, Jackson is uh, out for, I think, a couple weeks here with a broken hand. Yep. So yep. unfortunate for him. But yeah, all in all, like we said, as Georgia fans, we're a little bit more biased, but uh, looking good. And after watching the SEC East, I think we're probably going to have another undefeated season in the division, which I'm very excited about. We will see you in Atlanta in December, but not count my chickens before they hatch. We still yeah, got to get through Florida. Certainly not, because we've got to cover this next game. Meaning oh, Oregon oh. Auburn. Oh, well, okay. But you know what I mean. I was confused. I was like, you mean Murray State? No. We don't care about Murray State. Murray's not even a state. <laughs> All right. So the next game that Pierce already talked about a little bit, or at least mentioned, is Oregon and Auburn. And Oregon, my Oregon Ducks, I thought they were going to win, but ultimately they fall to the Auburn Tigers 27 to 21 that line was I think two and a half three and a half three and a half three and a half so Auburn uh covering the spread and uh I mean I don't know if Pac-12 can get it done versus SEC opponents I wouldn't count the Pac-12 out don't get me wrong I think Washington still has a very strong chance to make the playoffs but or Utah everybody loves Utah but ultimately the Pac-12 just really struggles versus ranked SEC opponents uh, especially, I mean, not especially, but even on, uh, you know, neutral territory. So what were your thoughts, Pierce, on this game and uh, the Auburn Tigers winning? Well, it's a lot like for Oregon. It's a lot. It's it's the completely different from what we we talked about with Boise State. Oregon just can't get over the hump in these big games. Looked like they were finally going to get over the hump, but Bo Nix rallied Auburn to get the win. and, and comeback fashion uh while neither qbs were particularly that great through the air uh want to shout out just i'm gonna miss this 
mispronounce his name. Go ahead. Butcher Jatarvius it. Whitlow for Auburn rushed Sounded for 110. Right um, and Nix added another 42 to get a much-needed victory for the Gus Bus. There you go. Bo Nix looked good in his debut. So if you're Auburn, you've certainly got to be feeling pretty encouraged by that because by all accounts going into the season, it looked a little bit like, what is happening on the Plains. So like I said, Auburn looking pretty good. Not sure if they have what it takes to stop an LSU or an Alabama, but only time will tell. All right, next up, Virginia and Pitt. Squaring off, Virginia took this one 30-14. The line on that was Pitt was getting two and a half, but they don't even need it because Virginia covers easily. Yeah, ugly play from both teams. Uh, however, my... my... My one of my favorite QBs, Perkins for UVA, was able to lead them to the win uh, in a a big game for UVA on the road, uh, up beating a team who went to the conference championship last year, and that's what UVA needs to start doing. They have the team and the talent to do so. Uh, UVA was good on the ground, which proved to be the difference as their 310 yards total offense, accompanied with Perkins' play at QB, lifted UVA to a much-needed victory if they want to win their division and move on to the ACC championship. All right, who wants to move on to the ACC championship to take on Clemson? Uh, that is not necessarily something people are volunteering for, but Virginia stays alive to potentially be the ones to do it. All right, Sunday night. I love some Sunday night college football. Uh, I hate, I mean, I, I don't hate the pros, I like having any kind of football, but if we could sub out some Sunday night professional football for Sunday night college football every week, I'd be uh, much happier. Sunday was, scaries wouldn't be a thing for me. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty nice knowing not only on Sunday you had Oklahoma, you had a big time game, but then you didn't have to go to work the next day, and exactly. then you had another game that next. I know night. It, it was, was like incredible. Christmas. Oh. Just kept coming. It felt like a bowl. It felt like a bowl season. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I could see why you're saying that, except for sometimes with bowl season, you're like looking up the teams, like yeah, who are these people? That's, Where do they that's play? Fair. This were at least you know teams you cared about. All right, the Houston Cougars and the Oklahoma Sooners squared off in Norman, and Jalen Hurts, our preseason Heisman pick, looked pretty good, if I do say so myself. Ultimately. Oklahoma wins 49-31. to 31. The spread on that was Oklahoma was giving 24.5 points, so not quite a cover, but still looked really good if you're an Oklahoma fan. We knew there wouldn't be a ton of defense played, but were you surprised at the score? No, not at all. Um, you know, like you hinted on, as expected, Jalen Hurts dominated. Uh, I even think he looked better in OU's offense, offensive system than Bama's. I mean, he looked like this is where he was supposed to be his entire career. Um, Hertz had a total six TDs, three through the air and three on the ground. Um, and really, Hertz just got Oklahoma out to an early lead so quick that it was one of those games where they could just kind of sit back and relax. And, and Houston had that backdoor cover, which hurt. Um, and Houston's a very good team. But, you know, it was one of those where it was kind of run away and hide for Oklahoma. And they certainly did that. Watch out for OU this year, especially if their defense improves. I think arguably the best linebacker in the country, Kenneth Murray, is a true difference maker. If they can, if they can improve just a little bit each game, 
this team has a chance to really win it, to have a chance to win it all this year. Did you catch Jalen Hurts' post-game interview? I did not. Well, I, you can take the boy out of Bama, but you can't take the Bama out of the boy, despite the numbers he put up and despite the absolutely phenomenal performance from his offense and his team. Uh, ultimately, he said, you know, we got some things to work on, some things we got to clean up and improve on. And it was as if Saban was standing right behind his shoulder, patting him on the back saying, yep. hey, buddy, I taught you well. Yep. You like that? You like that attitude from a guy who, uh, by all accounts, had the best, probably, I, I would say, is the offensive MVP uh, of the league for the past week. So you got to like that from him. All right. And you got to like that for him because yeah. he, he deserves a little success. There will be a movie written about him one day. Oh, I'm already envisioning in my mind the ESPN 30 for 30. Should we go ahead and uh, copyright it? Make copyright sure it's our, it. Make sure it's ours. The idea? The idea. Pretty sure that's public domain, but... Uh, Okay, well, you're smarter than I am, so... We could get ahead and go ahead and do something like that. You want to do the journalistic efforts on that? Uh, I'll leave that to you. All right, well, then we won't do it. All right, <laughs> the number nine Notre Dame Fighting Irish going in to take on the Louisville Cardinals. Um, I wasn't even really paying attention to this one that closely, I'll be honest with you. We were having dinner. Uh, it was going back to work the next day. Had some stuff I wanted to get ahead on, and I get this text from my friend, and she's like, are you watching this game? And I believe we were watching the replay of the Georgia game, and I said, flip it back right now. we got to watch it. Because I just assumed Notre Dame, I think myself and the rest of the country, just assumed Notre Dame would go in and easily take care of this first-year coach at Louisville, still trying to figure out their identity, dealing with a lot of the issues left behind from Petrino. And it was nasty at first. At the end of the first quarter, it was tied 14-14. But ultimately, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish chop away, and they end up coming out victorious 35 to 17 the line on that was 20 so again not another cover but Notre Dame stays alive and continues because they got it their team since they're not a conference they pretty much got to win them all and losing to a Louisville would have been devastating to their season hopes and I would argue like a Georgia season hope and and potentially Michigan because you got to have those wins uh, in those the resume builders, as you mm -hmm. will. So certainly really big if you're not only a Notre Dame fan, but also a Georgia or a Michigan or whoever else has to play Notre Dame. I honestly thought that this, and and maybe it was just I had seen some good, good play the night before with Oklahoma and Houston, but I thought both these teams looked pretty lackluster in my opinion. Neither of them showed any discipline or ability to play defense um to your point Notre Dame was able to pull away down the stretch in a game that didn't look good for the Fighting Irish both teams showed very little D Notre Dame did end up having 423 yards of total offense to Louisville's 383 however Ian Book where was he I know he ran for I think 80 yards but he didn't impress me one bit he had only 181 yards through the air and against good defenses they won't be able to win games rushing like they did against a rebuilding Louisville team so I'm more impressed by what Louisville did than what Notre Dame did and that's saying a lot so Notre Dame needs to to figure some things out and figure them out in a hurry because in three weeks Oh, Georgia's going to run all day on them. They are going to have to figure some things out. Absolutely. Brian Kelly certainly is going to have a lot of work cut out for him for the next couple of weeks. I believe that Notre Dame has a bye here this next weekend. 
I could be wrong about that. Um, but <laughs> this is kind of random. But did you see the clip that's going around today of Ian Book trying to toss toss it out to the you know sidelines, just throw the ball away, and he hits the dancer in the nose? Uh, you didn't see that real time. I didn't see it real time. No. Did you hear? It broke her nose. I know it broke her nose. Yeah. Hit her right square in the face. Oh, I rewound it about 17 times. <laughs> oh, Dad and I were laughing and then we kind of felt sorry cuz those those footballs hurt. I tell you what. Yeah. They Especially hurt. coming from, you know, someone so, who's playing NCAA football. Yeah, so toss it. So, he just was tossing it away and just hits her square in God. the nose. I've been on a side uh not a college sideline, but I've been on some pretty good high school football team sidelines and it's kind of scary. Uh, so I can only imagine, especially because like I'm, you know, I'm part of the media when I'm doing that. So I'm up right, right up front. But if you're, you know, a dancer or whatever, you're behind all the media. So you can't mm-hmm. see what's happening. Mm-hmm. You get two people in front of you and you've got a wall, yeah. uh, especially, you know, a short little dancer. So, uh, yeah, very scary. The game moves really fast and you really don't get appreciation of it until you're there on the sideline. So, and I've only stood on a high school sideline. Yep. Couldn't have uh, been said better. Uh, shout out to her. Hope she, uh, Hope she gets better better soon and is back on the sidelines, but got to keep your head on a swivel. You got to keep your head on a swivel, as they say. A couple other games you want to touch on a little quick. We didn't you know, really go in deep dive any of these, but I think it's interesting. We talked a little bit about the SEC East and some of the uh, nastiness that happened uh, across that conference. Uh, I, think, I think we have to address the elephant in the room, which is Georgia State beating Tennessee on Rocky Top. That, I, I mean, I, I just got to hear your thoughts. Where is Tennessee as a program? It's kind of interesting living in Tennessee, not as a Tennessee fan, because, I mean, I, at work today, Pierce, the people were just, I mean, they didn't want to talk football, and the few that did, it was just like they were attending a funeral. It was like they finally were putting it to rest and saying, we just, we're just never going to see the light at the end of the day. And, I think they all thought Pruitt was the answer, and he still might be, but not encouraging at all if you're a Tennessee fan. Do you have anything to add about that? Uh, 38 to 30, of course, being the final score of that Georgia State-Tennessee game. So I, d- I did not get to um, watch much of this game until actually a rerun of it today. And, you know, I don't know what to make of it because Georgia State is was coming off a 2-10 and year and you got all this hoopla about Tennessee. And to your point, I can't get any Tennessee fans, and this has been this way for two or three years, to even talk football. They get angry with me when I just mention football. They go, yeah, but 1998 and the last time y'all won is yeah. 81. So, I, I, and and even looking at the box score is is crazy to me. Jarek uh, Garantano, 311 yards, two TDs, uh, compared to... Georgia State's quarterback, who only threw for 139 um, on the ground, was the difference, really, for Georgia State. They had 95 yards from Trey Barnett. Um, Ty Chandler, 48 yards, but Ty Chandler didn't have a touch in the second half, um, which I don't know if he's hurt. I hope he's not. But if if you're not running your best running back, what are you doing, Coach Pruitt? I mean, goodness gracious. And from what I did see, the 30 minutes I did watch today, it wasn't like Georgia State was, you know, dinking and dunking or hitting big, you know, hitting Hail Marys. They were, every play was a chunk play. It was 15 yards here, 10 yards here, 20 yards here, 
10 yards here. It, it was it was impressive to watch. Um so yeah, not uh not going to be a good week for t- the Knoxville the team down in Knoxville as far as practice is concerned. Yeah, and a couple other SEC teams also lost games they probably shouldn't have. Memphis took down Ole Miss 15 to 10. Memphis is not a bad team, but still kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh and then Missouri losing in Laramie uh to Wyoming 37 to 31. Uh Port- uh Portland State giving Arkansas a run for their money. And Mississippi State struggling a little bit against Lafayette, or I mean, yeah, Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. So, uh, and Kentucky struggling at Toledo. I gotta add that yep. one in there too. Yep. So, not great from the SEC, but ultimately, I think that we're they'll be okay. I was listening to a podcast today, actually, at the gym, and they were talking about, um, you know, for any other conference, this might be catastrophic. But when you are the SEC and you're, you know, your bot- these are bottom half teams right now, and the top half is so legitimate. Uh, uh, legitimately in the co- uh, conversation for the playoffs, the Georgias, the LSUs, the, now the Auburns and the Floridas and the Alabamas, at least for right now, yeah, your bottom half looks bad, and, and your bottom half is probably worse than the bottom half of like the ACC uh, Atlantic, mm-hmm. but your top teams are really good. So all these people coming out and saying the SEC, you know, this, that, whatever, irrelevant. I, I, I think that it's a little bit too um, clickbaity. I don't think that uh, the SEC is quite in trouble because of the fact that the top half is so stacked player for player with everyone else in the league, except for Clemson, mm-hmm. which basically is an SEC team. Excited to see how this shapes out. Um, I think Big Ten might actually be the best conference in in the country this year, if uh, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, some of those schools take care of business, because this was not a good week for the SEC as far as those teams you just mentioned struggling, and 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 you knew some of those teams would, but I mean Missouri, for goodness sakes, that that one was a I shocker. Um, and here South I was Carolina saying that down. I was worried about Missouri when they came into Athens, and I don't yep. think I'm worried about that anymore. I wouldn't be either. So. We'll see. We'll see how things turn around. It's week one. Everyone's – I didn't think even Clemson or Bama or, or, you know, Georgia, you name it. I didn't think anyone looked particularly great. I think everyone had holes. Um, so it's just – What do you think of Ohio we, State? Did you get to watch any of that? Um, I saw – Justin Fields Some people good. made me watch some clips of it because um, I don't particularly – like said person. In fact, he's probably my least favorite athlete of all time. Justin um, Fields? He will not be named. Okay, he's Voldemort. Um I I mean, yeah, they they hailed him as having a great game and you know, they ran away and hid, so you can't really judge you know, an entire book by its cover. He had only like 250, 240 through the air. 234. Um, 234. Four uh, touchdowns. 18 to 25. What did he rush? What did he rush for? Well, Lord, now I've got to go to a different page. You're good. Um, He rushed for 61 yards on 12 carries. Okay. So the rushing's where he'll, uh, he'll really contribute, I think, for this team. But I mean, FAU, they were. 
they were atrocious. And so it was just a runaway and hide game. So the the jury's still out on that on on Ohio State. They do have good players, and they will be in the conversation. But um, you know what I think again, would be kind I'm of fun. Sold on him. You know what I think would be kind of fun. Playoffs: Ohio State and Georgia, Fields and Fromm. Because there's not really a. I mean, the way Fields left and kind of some of the background stories and some of the players that have since left the team or been kicked off the team that were you know quote unquote on camp Fields. They are, uh, you know, there's there's not really, I don't think, a ton of love lost between Kirby and Fields. Now, Jacob Eason, on the other hand, everybody wants him to do well at Washington, but to your point. And he did. And a lot of Georgia fans don't really want Fields to succeed at Ohio State. Shout out to our boy, though, Mitch Rossi, getting his first uh, start. He started on special teams for Ohio State on Saturday. So, yep. shout out Gotta to him. Gotta shout out him. That's uh, big time. Yeah, but we'll have to. Uh, we'll, we'll, I think we're covering Ohio State this next week. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Maybe Washington as well. But I think that's going to do it for our recap. We touched on Easy Peasy and how that went. We touched on all the games and uh, some of the ones we didn't cover as well. And ultimately, Week One, it's nothing but good things. But it's not quite necessarily the marquee matchups that you're looking for. But it's better than what we're going to get next week. A lot of cupcake games in Week Two and Three. So uh, we're already kind of. I'm already kind of chopping to the bit for Week Four. But I don't want it to go too fast. Because Lord knows it'll be January before you know it, and we'll be uh, wrapping up the season. And uh, not looking forward to that. So let's enjoy it while it's here. Even though it's about 105 degrees outside and doesn't feel like football weather, it is here, and it is happening, and we are happy. Anything else to add, Pierce? I think we've just about covered it. Um, Only team that really looked like they had no holes was Oklahoma. Everybody else, you know, Trying to get rid of the rust and, uh, you know, fun week one. Now, like you said, on to week two and three where you really find out who is going to step up and play and be be the starters on, on any team. Um, so these next two weeks, while we may not look at them and see them, view them as great games, they're very important for the programs, for the teams. So to lock in that starting defensive and offensive group. So uh excited to uh to get back to it again on saturday go ahead and subscribe if you aren't already that way you never miss one of our amazing episodes if we do say so ourselves we'll be hitting you with two episodes a week one recap and one preview that preview podcast will come a little bit later a couple days from now we got to sit down and record that as well um but like i said go ahead and subscribe so you never miss a podcast follow us on social media right now just on instagram at sibling rivalry podcast working on that twitter hoping to get back into that Twitter because I accidentally locked myself out, but I might just have to make a new handle, which is fine because I never tweeted from the old one anyways. I'm excited to start tweeting. Ah, buckle up, folks. He's, well, been, he's been known to, to, you know, sometimes have some, um, not controversial, but harsh. polarizing, polarizing opinions is what I would say. Not harsh. Man, harsh. Sometimes it's harsh. Sometimes it's harsh. Sometimes I'm like, well, come on. Come on, man. These are 18-year-old kids. But that's fine. Whatever. All right. So we'll have to keep you updated on that. But for the Sibling Rivalry Podcast, I am Madison. And I am Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.
Welcome in to. Oh, that was so loud. Hold on, let me do it again. <laughs> I just watched my. You're thing like, go for whoa! <laughs> Your eyes lit up. Got really loud. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> <laughs>